because you care for each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Christine. I invite you to grab your Bibles now. We're going to be turning to our text for today, which is uh, from the Psalms, uh, from Psalm 42 and 43. You might be wondering why we're doing two Psalms. Um, Well, the reason is we think they're probably actually one Psalm. Uh, They got split in half at some point in time. Uh, So we're going to take them as one. Um, You'll see why as we read it. There's a lot of links between the two and even some repeated uh, words and phrases. uh, And they deal with the same theme. So we're going to unpack them today. And I'm going to invite Lisa up, and she's going to be reading Psalm 42 and 43. Thanks. Let's read. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, please keep your Bibles open. We're going to work our way through these verses. Uh, you'll see there's lots of uh, imagery in there. There's lots of different words uh, and quite emotive words that are used. Uh, and it will be to your benefit if you can follow along uh, as we yeah, study these this morning. Uh, if you've been on holiday, which I assume you have been at some point in your lifetime, um, you've probably encountered along the way... Uh, 
you know, holiday experience guides, I don't, I don't know what a better word for them is, um, but you know, the, the people who lead you through the special things that you do on holiday, um, whether that's on the ropes course at Hollybank, whether it's the guys down at Pennicott Tours uh, down in the southeast, whether it's the, the tour guides on the Gordon River, you know, you meet these people uh, and they help you on these holiday experiences. And they're always the same sort of people, aren't they? They're always terribly excited and very happy and incredibly bubbly. It's like totally bewildering how they do that. Uh, but, but that's who they are. They're, they're excited to do their job. Now, what I want you to do is, I want you to imagine that that's your job. And it's, it's not in one of those places. It's in your dream place, you know, doing, doing the activity, leading other people on the activity that you love the most. Uh, whether you're a bike instructor at Medina Bike Park, um, these are mine obviously, uh, or a dived guide on the Barrier Reef, um, or you know, a guide at the National Stamp Museum, whatever is your thing. I don't know, that might be your thing, that's okay if it is. I, I want you to imagine that you are a guide on your dream job. But one day, one day you wake up in the morning and you realise, you say to yourself, you realise to yourself, I don't love this anymore. <laughs> I'm just not feeling it. I know I'm supposed to be excited. I know this is great, but I am tired. I can't be bothered. My heart is not in it anymore. Now, I don't know how you talk to yourself, but I, I, I can imagine that you would say to yourself in that position, come on, what's wrong with me? Look at what I've got. This is the best job in the world. Just, just get on with it. Don't be ridiculous. Why would you be sad in this place? You, you could imagine what other people might say to you. Look at where you are. You have the best job in the world. What is wrong with you? Come on, you, you, know, you, you can imagine your boss. Who cares how you feel? Just smile and do it. You know, fake it. Imagine being in that position. The best job in the world, but feeling glum about it. Well, now imagine something different. Imagine uh, you're a Christian. Now, that's perhaps not too hard for most of you, since I know that a lot of you are Christians. Imagine that you're a Christian, but one day you wake up in the morning and you just feel very flat about being a Christian. Uh, you don't really feel a sense of joy. Uh, your drive to live as a Christian just kind of feels missing or really low. Uh, you're just not feeling it. Something feels off. You feel kind of weird about that. So what do you do? Well, you say to yourself, come on, <laughs> remember what you've got. Remember, you know, everything that the Bible says that you have, just get on with it. Look what you have. Look at these promises. Look at this hope. Look at all these great things we've sung about. Don't be ridiculous. Well, how could you feel this way? That's crazy. <laughs> Put a smile on. Fake it. And maybe it'll come good. Well, maybe that's not too hard to imagine because maybe you've experienced that kind of thing. Maybe you are experiencing it. Well, the fact is it happens and it happens to real and genuine Christians. God's people experience these seasons where they don't feel it, where something feels off. And in this psalm, in this pair of psalms, we have someone writing down their experience of that very situation. Describing what it's like for them. And they've recorded it. God has recorded and preserved it for us. Um, not just so we can have someone to commiserate with and say, well, at least other people feel this way. 
But what we have in this psalm is both a description of what this experience is like, but we also have a description of how to face it. And how to face it well. And that's why these psalms matter. That's why we're going to look through them this morning. If you, you come with me to Psalm 42, what you'll see there is it's a searchingly honest description of how this psalmist is feeling. Uh, the, the short of it is he's not feeling good, but you see it in the words that he uses. Just, just listen as I read uh, verses 1 to 4 and verses 6 to 10. Just, just listen at the words. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. Why people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God, under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. And down at verse 6. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? You you, you can hear it, can't you? You See the words he uses to describe his situation. He he feels this earnest longing with him. He describes it as, as panting, as one dying of thirst. That's how he feels about God. He, he finds himself distant from God and unable to find God. All he's got for him are these, these kind of vague memories. He's disturbed. He feels overcome. He feels fearful. He says, it's, it's so bad, I actually feel almost in physical agony. It's really graphic, isn't it? This guy is in a really dark place. Why or how did this come to be? Well, we're not actually told, are we? Uh, There's a few hints as to what might be going on here. We we get this uh, hint that perhaps he's at physical distance from God's temple, the place where he can meet with God, uh, that he can't actually go there like he would like to. Uh, We get hints that that's being compounded by opposition that he's facing. There are perhaps people even preventing him from doing that. And all of this is resulting in these feelings. But why isn't he clearer about how this has come to be? Because that's not his point. He doesn't want to tell us how this happens. He wants to tell us what it feels like when it happens. And it's all summarized in that, in that repeated question which, which other people keep posing to him. Uh, we see it there in verse 3. We see it again in, in verse 10. Where is your God? And it's not directly answered, but the answer's there, isn't it? Unstated. I don't know. I can't find him. God is distant. God is far. And for the psalmist, that is absolutely devastating. Because he is used to being close to God. In fact, God is essentially the bedrock upon which his life is built. The the very basis of who he is. God is the one whom he relies on in everything. And now he can't feel him. 
He can't feel his presence. God feels a long way from him. And it is utterly disorienting. It's a bit like, um, it's a bit like swimming in the surf. Uh, I, I love swimming at the beach because I love swimming in waves. You know, bigger waves, excellent. You know, that, that feeling of duck diving under the wave and you know, feeling its weight and, and, and hearing it over you or, or you know, jumping up the face of a wave and looking back down it and, and seeing the height of it, just feeling the power of it. Uh, that's, I think that's brilliant. That is, until you misjudge one <laughs> and you get dumped by that wave. And, I mean, if you've done it, you know the feeling. You get, you, you get taken over the falls, you get thrown down and, and slammed into that white water, you get washing machined and you're being thrown this way and that and you're, you're entirely out of control. And it's not a good feeling, is it? <laughs> to say the least. It is, it is so disorienting. You, you know, that, that panic sets in. You don't know which way is up. You don't know how far down you are or how close to the surface you are. Will you ever reach the surface again, wherever it actually is? You are, you are utterly powerless. <laughs> You're at the mercy of the wave, and like, waves don't have a great deal of mercy. That's how the psalmist feels. That is the experience that he is going through here. God is the basis of his life, and he has lost his footing. He has been swept away. And the reason he doesn't tell us specifically how or why he feels this way is because he's saying to us, this is how we feel sometimes. This is not an experience that's limited to him. He's saying this is what we experience. This is how God's people feel sometimes. Distant from God. Untethered from him. And, and as a result, disoriented and afraid and down. Now, look, sometimes there are reasons uh, for this. Sometimes we can trace quite simply what those reasons are. Uh, if we're, you know, persistent, unrepentant sin, that's something that makes us feel distant from God. Uh, where we're separated from God's people, when we, we can't meet with them as we would like to. The, you know, the place that we experience Him most fully, that makes us feel like God is far away. Uh, sometimes life circumstances can make us feel this way. You know, upheaval or conflict or illness, especially mental illness, all of these things can contribute to a, a feeling of distance from God. But often, often, we simply can't explain it. Often we can't join the dots and say, this has led to this. Sometimes we will just wake up in the morning and things will feel different. We read our Bibles and it's not like we don't understand what's written there. We can still read the words, we can still get a picture of what it's saying but it doesn't affect us. It doesn't impact on us. We don't feel it. We pray and it's, it's like having a conversation with an empty room. You know, you just, you know, it, it feels there's no one there. It feels wasted. Or we go to church or our connect groups and it's hard to put the finger on it, but there is something that's missing. And it doesn't feel Right. doesn't feel like God is there it feels like our connection our line to him has been severed and we know it didn't used to feel that way 
In fact, we can remember times when we're sure it didn't feel that way. But for now, some reason, it doesn't feel like that anymore. And it's scary. That is disorienting. To feel that distance is a difficult thing. And if you haven't already experienced this, then you probably will. Um, as an aside, <coughs> excuse me, as an aside, if, if you're sitting there and thinking, I, I actually can't relate to that at all, um, that's either a really good thing or a really bad thing. Um, either you're very close to God, very, very close to God, and you've never actually experienced that sort of distance. But I'll be honest, in my experience, uh, I've never encountered anyone like that. In fact, it tends to be that the people who are closest to God feel that distance most acutely and can, experience, uh, can relate to this psalm uh, most closely. But, but look, I guess I'm not going to rule it out that it's theoretically possible. But most likely, most likely you, you, you're thinking, I, I, you, the reason you can't relate to this is that you're actually already so distant from God that this feeling has become normal. That you've grown used to it, that you've been desensitized you know over time that you know the goalposts of your life have shifted and this has become your new normal and I want to say to you if that's you that's dangerous that's a bad place to be in the psalmist says God is is life and so to be apart from God is deadly dangerous if that's you, if that distance is normal in your life, you need to heed the warning of this psalm. You need to take a close look at yourself. Because this distance can become terminal. You need to be aware of that. But what do you do when you do feel it? How do you address this feeling of distance? Well, the psalmist does actually tell us. And he tells us in that that kind of plaintive refrain throughout this psalm. It's there in verse 5, it's there at verse 11, and again at the end of verse 43. I'll just, I'll just read it again for you. Verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. Do you see what the psalmist does in that time? What how he approaches, I guess, this situation? Well, he does it by talking to himself. And in that, he invites us to do the same. Talk to yourself. Not in a weird, <laughs> crazy person's kind of way. Um, if you do that, that's okay. I'm not going to judge you. But talk to yourself. But talk positively to yourself. Because isn't it true? Isn't it true? Uh, you, no doubt experience this. When we're down, when we're feeling distant, when we're feeling like things are hard and we're, we're, we're in the dumps, isn't it true that our self-talk becomes so self-destructive? We, we, we do this all the time, don't we? We dwell in our heads and we, we, we make things worse for ourselves. We, we think, well, it doesn't feel like God's there. Was he ever really there? You know, maybe, maybe I was actually just kidding myself all that time Maybe that was never real, and I've always been distant. Or we say to ourselves, well, maybe I'm, I've done something wrong, and now I'm, God's really displeased, and I'm actually on the outer, and maybe I'm, maybe, maybe I'm lost. Maybe I'm forever to be lost now. And do, do you see what we do? We, we, we form an echo chamber of these negative, horrible thoughts, and we, we start to spiral. 
And we, we destroy ourselves. We sink further and further into this despair. And so what the psalmist is saying is, arrest that cycle, break it. Snap yourself out of that, not by doing anything remarkable, but by simply repeating these, this truth to yourself. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. It's not a magic formula. <laughs> uh, we see the psalmist says that to himself, but he still finds things hard. We actually don't get his situation resolved at all in this psalm. It's not as if you, you repeat this and all of a sudden you instantly feel better and everything's good again. But that's not how it's supposed to work. It's a reminder. It's a circuit breaker. Remind yourself what's true. Remind yourself who God is. Talk to yourself. Speak that truth to yourself. Because things won't be bad always. I mean, even in, in itself, that's a remarkable thing, isn't it? Things won't be bad always. But we see that in the psalmist's experience. And he knows that. And we see, it play, uh, we see him play it out in front of us. He moves from self-talk in, in Psalm 42 to God-talk in Psalm 43. Uh, he's, he's spoken of prayer in, in Psalm uh, 42, verse 8. But now in Psalm 43, he transitions to directly praying to God. And we, we see that in those first four verses. Let me read them for you again. Psalm 43, verse 1. Vindicate me, my God, and please my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my joy and my delight, I will praise you with the lyre. O oh God, my God. It's quite a turnaround, isn't it? We've, we've had in Psalm 42, you know, my soul thirsts. I, I can only remember these things. But now he's looking forwards and he's looking upwards. He's saying, then I will go. There is restoration coming. There is hope ahead and, and better times to come. How? How is that going to come to be? Well, it's there in the prayer, isn't it? It's there in, in what he asks of God. Do you, do you see it? He says, rescue me, God. How, how to rescue me? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Um, just a, a note on that. The word for faithful care is uh, more literally the word truth. And I think here that's perhaps a better translation. He's saying, God, send me your light, send me your truth, and they will rescue me. They will help me out of this situation. It says, I am in a dark place. I am in a distorted and desperate place. I need your rescue. I need your light and your truth to shine into my darkness and to break the lies that I'm believing, that I'm hearing. You know what it's like. Uh, Sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night uh, and there's something, something in your room or something in the area. Your, you know, your eyes play tricks on you and you, they scare you. Do you. Have you ever had that experience? Um, as, a, as a kid, I'd always, we had streetlights outside our bedroom and then trees between them and our curtains. And I'd wake up in the middle of the night and you would see this shadow on the curtains. You know, it's windy, so the shadow would be moving a little bit. And we lived in Ravenswood, so, you know, it could be anything. <laughs> 
But it's, it's terrifying, isn't it, this, this mysterious shadow? You know, you, you wake up in the middle of the night and you can see in the corner of the room this, this person-shaped shadow there just sitting and staring at you. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? It's terrifying. And, you know, you, you're almost too scared to turn on the light because what if it's real? <laughs> you, know? you don't want to see that. But you flick on the light and what is it? Well, it is just a tree outside the curtain. It's not a person there. What is it in your bedroom? Well, it's, it's, just your, it's just your jumper or your jacket, you know, sitting over a chair and, and looking weird. It, it's, it's nothing at all, isn't it? it? Because that light, that light dispels that darkness and it breaks that lie that your mind is telling yourself. And that's what the psalmist is praying for here. That's what he needs. That's what anyone feeling distant from God needs. We need that light. We need that truth to break those lies and to shed light into that darkness. When we're scared, when we're vulnerable and hurting and down, everything terrifies us. Everything throws us off course. We need light and truth. We need something good to fix our eyes on in those dark places. We, we need a truth that's going to break the lies that, that crush us and weigh us down. There is a path to restoration. And that's it. But I want you, I want you to note this very carefully note what the psalmist doesn't say it's kind of a weird thing to say but but note what he doesn't say he doesn't say god i'm feeling really distant from you so i'm going to resolve to do better i'm going to try harder i'm going to do more you know i'm yeah i'm down in the dumps now but i'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps and get out of this place. Neither does he say, God, you're really distant right now, so I'm going to run closer. (laughs) You know, by hook or by crook, I'm going to get myself to you, and then things will be right again. He doesn't say that at all, does he? But isn't that true that that's what, we might not say it so crudely, but isn't that true that that's what we do? And that's in fact the whole direction of our world and society around us that that's how we act isn't it if something's not working it's up to us to fix it to make it work you know if i set myself really strict prayer times and i'm very very diligent about reading my bible this week then surely i'll feel closer to god things will get better i will claw god back within reach and everything will be right again I'll get rid of X in my life and I'll do Y instead and things will be good. Of course, sometimes we're more subtle. We, we, we choose things that uh, a little bit sound a little bit better. I just need to set better boundaries around things. I need to take some more me time and get some space to sort things out. Or we say it to each other or people say it to us. You know, you just need to get rid of things in your life that are weighing you down and and then you'll feel better. Whatever those things might be. But do you hear the common denominator? You. Or I. Well, the psalmist knows better. You can't do it. I can't do it. We cannot dig ourselves out of this hole. We cannot claw ourselves back to God. 
but God can restore. And that's what the psalmist prays. That's why the psalmist prays, I need your help. I know you're good. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to ask of you. I'm going to wait for you to act. And that's where the psalm ends. <laughs> he repeats the refrain. It's, it's more hopeful now. But it's still unfulfilled, isn't it? It's, it's a cliffhanger. <laughs> I've asked. God will act in his own time. But we have better. Because thousands of years, hundreds, sorry, thousands of years have passed uh, since this psalm was written. And we have something that the psalmist did. We don't know how God specifically answered his prayer, but we do know how God has broadly answered this prayer and beautifully answered this prayer. Because he has. God has acted. God has acted to destroy that distance. He has acted to overcome that despair. And amazingly, he has done it precisely in the way that the psalmist has asked. By sending his light and truth. And doing it in a way that the psalmist could never have imagined. Here it is, this is how we get it at the start of John's Gospel. In John chapter 1, verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And as it goes on, that light is very good because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Uh, what is that light? Well, it's not a what, it's a who. Who is that light? It is Jesus. It is God's Son. It is God's light incarnate, put on flesh. Come into this world, come close to us to shine into the darkness and to dispel that darkness and be done with it. It's Jesus who says later in that very gospel in John 14 verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. He is God's truth. He is God's light Come to this world in flesh, come wonderfully and, and completely and beautifully to us, to humanity. Why? Well, that verse goes on. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, truth and light in flesh has come so that people in and through him, people like you and I in and through him, can be close to the Father, can be close to God. Because here's the incredible truth. We were distant from God. Not just in perception, we were distant from God in truth, in reality. It wasn't as if we just felt like we were apart from Him, we really were apart from Him. There was this enormous barrier, in fact, that stood between us, a barrier created of our own doing, created by our sin and our rebellion against God and our rejection of Him. And that barrier utterly cut us off from Him, and deservedly so. And it cut us off from life in Him. And that barrier was something we could never fix, we could never cross, we could never overcome until He broke it until he shattered that wall and he shone his light and truth into our dark despair, forgiving that offence and making it possible for us to draw close again in him. See, that real distance that did exist has been bridged and it has been bridged in Jesus once and for all. The real distance has been destroyed and because of Jesus then, 
It is only our perceived distance that we need wrestle with now. So don't despair. When you feel this psalm, when you can relate to this psalm, don't despair because your perceived distance from God is not real. It's not true. You are not actually far from God because Jesus has brought you close. And that never changes. Your feeling of it might, but that never changes. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That is his promise to you in Jesus. Will you feel distant at times? Yes, absolutely. Maybe at many times, maybe for long times, there will be seasons in your life when this psalm is all too relatable and it will hurt and it will feel awful and you will wrestle with that. I don't know why that happens. I don't know why God allows that to happen. But he does. What I do know is, in those times, speak this truth to yourself. Remind yourself what is real. Don't allow yourself to spiral into self-destructive talk. Arrest it with that truth. Even if you struggle to believe it, keep speaking it to yourself. (laughs) Find others who will help you challenge those lies. And go to God. Go confidently. He's not far from you. He hears you. He is with you. Cry out. Don't be afraid to cry out to him. Rescue me, God. I can't face this by myself. Send your truth and your light to me. Let me feel them. Let me experience them again. Dispel my despair. Let me feel close. Hold what Jesus has done and know that God has acted and will act. And know a better day is coming. Know a day is coming where every distance will be destroyed. Even that perceived distance. A day is coming when God's truth and light incarnate will physically and in reality lead us to God's holy mountain. A day when you and I will approach going not to God's altar but to his throne. In the the joy and delight of the psalmist here, to our God, to my God. A day when you and I will hear once and for all, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will live with them for the old order of things has passed away. One day, every distance will be gone. One day, faith will become sight. Until that day, know it's coming and keep speaking this truth to yourself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you you know how truly distressing it is when we find ourselves in the places this psalmist did, when we find ourselves feeling apart from you and alone and afraid. Lord, we need you. And sometimes it just takes that feeling of distance to remind us just how much we need you. And so we praise you because of Jesus, that distance isn't real. It's simply felt. Because he has destroyed that real distance of sin. He has torn it down. He has shone your light and your truth into our darkness so that we could know you and truly be close to you forever. Father, please... 
keep reminding us of this unshakable truth. When we're feeling apart from you, when we're feeling distant, may it be our sure anchor and hope. Father,